online, on digital radio and TV, and on 94.9 FM. London's radio station. BBC Radio London. sit in a cinema today immersing yourself in the digital special effects you can feel that we are being truly spoiled but when harry ray housen uh, harry housen was an animator he had to create everything by hand born in 1920 he fell in love with cinema as a boy watching the original king kong and went on to work on films like mighty joe uh, mike joe young jason and the argonauts and clash of the titans he was finally recognized for his work in the night at the 1990 Oscars. Now, the writer and broadcaster Richard Hollis has compiled a book of his film posters and documented his work. He joins us in the studio. The book is called Harry Housen, The Movie Posters. And also with us this afternoon is John Walsh, who's a filmmaker and Harry Housen trustee. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in this afternoon. Lovely to have you on the programme. Thank you. Let's start with the book, uh, Richard, because it is, a, it is a weighty tome, I keep saying, but it is also <laughs> really beautiful. It's the kind of thing... You look at it and you go, how did they do that at the time? And the reason this exists is because he was an avid collector of his own work. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, I mean, Ray had a fabulous archive. All the films he made, he always kept all the models and the drawings. Everything that he'd put into a movie, he actually kept as an archive. And and the great thing about the posters are that they just capture everything was the essence of his films, from mm. the creatures to the fabulous adventures, the Arabian Nights, the, the Greek tales of myths and legends. And and I think that just comes across in all those fabulous images. The images are, re- I mean, they, it is a really beautiful book, I have to say. And it's one of those you kind of, I was saying to you, you want to sit on the sofa and just <laughs> flick through and occasionally read. Um, but also quite an important document for film, because I think at one time you would have thought, we think it's easy to do. But for him, every single detail he created, didn't he? Yes, what he would do, um, as you said you, at, at the beginning, he was inspired by King Kong, which mm. was a film that used... A, a form of special effects called stop motion which is a bit like an animated cartoon right. except that instead of ca- taking a photograph of a different drawing for every frame of film he actually has a little three-dimensional model which he moves every frame of film to make it Goodness. look like it's moving on screen uh, and this would this painstaking work would take him ages so he became a pioneer seeing what willis o'brien the special effects man had done in king kong he then became the next pioneer in stop motion mm. and and that's what he put into all his movies and it's a kind of personal craft mm. um it's almost like a cottage industry if you like yes and, and he was doing all this himself which gave these creatures so much personality and, and also it's one of those things where you you wonder why it's taken them or took them so long to laud him to actually applaud the work that he did because he must have revolutionized the industry with what he was doing yes he did and i think it, you're right i think it did take a long time because the Unfortunately, fantasy films, science fiction, horror or whatever, were always considered to be at the bottom end of the film market and weren't mm. recognised in a lot of the um, the film festivals or mm. even at the Academy Awards. Although Ray's type of filmmaking, which is special effects, used to get recognised, but sadly a lot of his films didn't um, because people thought they were children's films or they just didn't have a very wide audience appeal. But what you find now is that if you look back at a key movie from a key year, uh, which is a Ray Harryhausen film, you'll find people remember that more than some of the other large and very oh, successful really? films of that same time period. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in the studio, as I mentioned, is John Walsh, who is a trustee of the Harryhausen Foundation. Uh, tell us a bit about the foundation, because it is for Ray and Diana. Yes, um, that's right. And, 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 and what it's set up to do. Well, Ray set it up himself in the mid-80s and to protect and preserve the creature collection, but also the rest of the collection, which is 50,000 items strong. Goodness. Which makes it the largest collection anywhere outside of the Walt Disney Company. 
And of course, it wasn't just in, to pay homage to himself. It was because he wanted to protect the techniques he created um, for future generations. And interestingly, you know, towards the end of his life, he saw a resurgence in that physical form of animation. You know, mm. There's more stop motion movies now than there was, say, 20 or 30 years ago. And I think Ray's more relevant now as well. Sadly, when in he what passed, way? Well, when he passed in 2013, George Lucas said, without Ray Harryhausen, there would likely have been no Star Wars. Yes. So I think that really says it, doesn't yes. it? You know, we all talk about Star Wars and the new Marvel adventures. You know, this was the forerunner for it. If you wanted a creature made for a film you were making, Jamoke, you'd have to go to Ray Harryhausen. Otherwise, you'd be putting a man in a rubber suit. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible thought. <laughs> Terrible thought indeed. Although he, he did a lot of people out of work then, you know. And now, of course, we've got all these special effects. They're even doing it worse. Um, but quite important, I mean, I mentioned there that it is important to document this because we are living in an era that it's just so I, I call it we are microwave generation you know everything takes five seconds you know it's really easy to do and all that kind of stuff to see craft at its very best is something we really need to treasure absolutely and you know Ray was a great artist on paper which for some people that would be an achievement in itself he was a great sculptor mm. he was a great animator he mm. was a great innovator and the combination of live actors with the animated creatures was a technique he, he pretty much sort of perfected and invented so you know to have one of those skill sets in, in your in your armory in life would, would be wonderful but mm. uh, you know ray's been honored at the tate in recent years mm. at the barbican exhibitions you know this wouldn't have happened say 20 or 30 years ago so luckily you know ray did receive the recognition in his lifetime which I think, you know, we can be very happy about. Mm, definitely. Um, can I ask you, Richard, about how you go about curating a book like this? Because it's quite big, but I'm sure that you had to leave a lot more out than you put in. Yes, there's probably about 200 posters in that book. But I found 400 different examples when I was looking at Ray's posters of, uh, from 1949 to 1981. Yeah. He, he was involved on 16 movies. Uh, the, the great thing is that because knowing John, I was able to use the resources of the uh, of the Ray and Dinah Harryhausen Foundation, their right. fabulous archive, yes. which, which of course helped me along the way. I have some posters in my own collection because I'm a bit of a poster collector. Uh, but then I was lucky enough to make contact with a lot of poster collectors from around the world, America, Germany, Australia, France, Spain. And these people were able, some in some cases, to very kindly let me photograph their posters for inclusion in the book. Right. So it's a kind of like a worldwide thing. Um, and we've got posters in there from Poland, uh, very unusual images, some of them, uh, but they just give you an idea about how different countries interpreted Ray's films. <laughs> Because mm, that's the other thing. It's about, you know, we, we see a poster here in the UK and you think that's the poster. It's a bit like when you see a book here in the UK. But actually, when they travel, they presumably make them for the audience that they're about to see. So they adjust them slightly, do they? Or they Yes, of course, in this country, for example, they would have been concerned probably in the 1950s with maybe some of the films would be a bit scary for children. Right. In America, of course, they'd be at children's matinees. So our British Board of Film Censors might decide that one or two of Ray's early films were ex-certificate films. <laughs> uh, now we find that almost laughable. Sure. But uh, because they're very entertaining. And even one or two critics at the time said, why are you making these films ex-certificate? Every boy and girl wants to see a movie with a dinosaur in it. Um, and that's exactly how Ray's films would be treated in different countries. And some of the posters would reflect that. Right. They would give you... the they would they would push up more on a poster that specified a certain type in the film or a certain element of the film, and uh, so it would be different in, in different countries. In different yeah. countries, um, and John, how how where is all of this housed? Um, well, the collection's in a private, secret location. Oh, is it? Ooh, um, well, ooh. For insurance purposes, I can tell you that it's in Scotland, <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's actually in London. Uh, no, no, the but. 
is in Scotland. Ray was an American, but he yeah. lived in London. Yeah. And he lived in London since the early 60s, making his films. Um, he married a, a Scottish lady, uh, Diana. And she was the great-granddaughter of David Livingston, the explorer. Wow. So Ray has very close links with Scotland. And uh, the archive is in Scotland. Although people can't visit it per se, they can visit the exhibitions that we that we sort of host with uh, other museums and other places. And are there any coming up? Or? Uh, yes, there are. You know, we've we've just done one with the Tates last year and the Barbican last year. We have some coming up um, with the uh, National uh, Portrait Gallery in Scotland. Okay. They're doing one for us. Mm-hmm. And there's mini exhibitions. The Barbican are currently on tour around the world with some of our pieces. So they're flying around here and there. And uh, and do you have it also documented online? Yes, you, you go onto our website, you can see... I, I recorded 25 hours worth of oral histories with Ray, and so we've released some of those for free online. We do a podcast series that's been running for a couple of years where mm. you can hear Ray's voice, Ray talking about the magic. Um, the books, you know, online, it, it's the way to keep in touch. Uh, and interestingly, the book, which has been number one on Amazon pre-sales, some of the, uh, some of the funds from the book, sales of the book, go to the Creature Restoration Project, which oh, is right. kind of always ongoing. Uh, and this book will be contributing to that in some form or the yes, other. Yes, that's right. Yes, uh, proceeds from that book will go to help that because obviously some of the models are quite old now and they're made of certain materials that right. started to decay. And the archive have got a, a wonderful restorer who actually put, helps to create these creatures and put them back together again. So we're trying to you know get the money together to make sure we can keep that program up because it's very important for John and, and the foundation that they, they preserve Ray's legacy, which is what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, alongside these kind of uh, film posters what other posters are you collecting are you a real sort of going to a show are you one of those because I'm definitely I'm not a film poster collector but there are you know I have certain things that I love to collect and therefore I go oh you know as soon as I see something well it's just as I explained in the beginning of the book you know I love movie posters I just think you know they're so nostalgic in some ways they just the campaign for a movie they don't do that sort of thing anymore and I love old movie posters Hitchcock films um, horror films fantasy films um, animation I'm very fond of right. uh, I've, got a, I've got a very big collection of classic Disney animation posters wow. um, and uh, it's it's just that kind of I think it's just the fan, the idea of a fantasy poster uh, for a f- advertising a film that really appeals to me yeah. which is why this book was a labour of love well, well, and where do you keep this stuff I mean because you presume you don't have enough walls to put them up or do you have a rotating well, collection it, it, or? well my wife used to be very understanding and I used to have these <laughs> frames I could interchange the posters in to right. display on the walls yeah. but um, normally no they're always in rolls you've got them in rolls up or in, in sort of champ, uh, chess plans, you yes, know, so you're, yes. um, which was a, a bit annoying. But um, yes, I wish I had lots of walls. I wish I had a gallery to display them. In well, I'm sure eventually you will. Um, can I ask you about, because po- po- I know nothing about film posters. I have one film poster and I realised, I was talking to my producer, Elisa, I was like, I don't have any film posters. I collect art, but I don't have any film posters. So I'm like, oh no, I do have one film poster, which is, weirdly I can't remember it's like Vim Wenders uh, film Angel no it's not Angel it's not called it's called something anyway I have that that's the only thing I have and I only bought it because I watched the film and I was like I love this so much I'm going to go it's all about an angel over the world or something yeah. it's a really peculiar it's, film it's a sort of vertical design poster too yeah, yes, it, yeah, yeah but yeah. that, but literally cheap as chips so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but does it come to the point where I mean are some of these posters really rare and really expensive yes they are, um, aren't they John you'd agree with that yes They're absolutely very yeah I mean it was there was a stage when we we put together all of the posters in the book and we nearly called it the million pound poster really so you know that's the extent you know think about when we were growing up we would throw away packets of cornflakes you wouldn't hold on to them of course and cinemas would do the same with old films the film's gone throw the posters out so people like richard and the collectors who've been involved in this book have really held on to something that's really going to grow
The thing is, it's always is, is that question, isn't it? Is it junk <laughs> or is it rare? You know, like I look at it and go, oh, I like it, but whoa, you know, is it really just junk? You, you, you can never tell. Well, Christie's now sell these at auctions. So now you can put a price on it. You can go online right. and see what a James Bond Goldfinger poster sold for. One million years BC. So eBay yeah. and Christie's between them, you can find an approximation. And if you went through and added up every film in that book, you'd be probably coming out of this studio a millionaire, Jamoke. Okay. Well, in which case, I've found a new calling. (laughs) (laughs) Film posters it's going to be. Well, at least with this book. Uh, Richard, thank you ever so much for coming in. Richard Hollis uh, and John Walsh, both in the studio. Uh, This book is called Harry Harrison, the movie posters. And just the uh, foundation, the way people can get in touch online. Online, rayharryhausen.com. And if you come down to Regent Street Cinema tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you can see the world premiere of the 1964 film First Men in the Moon in 4K. Wow. It's been scanned in 4K and looks absolutely stunning. And that what time what time does it start? That's at 3 p.m. at the Regent Street Cinema, which is just a hop, skip and a jump just down this road. That's a really nice cinema. Actually, and afterwards, we're just giving a little talk about the book as well. Are you? Illustrated um, with posters on the cinema screen. So. Oh, this is a film poster Come stream. along. Come along. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen, for coming in. Really, Thank really you. lovely. Online, on digital radio and TV, and on 94.9 FM. London's radio station. BBC Radio London.